Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today, I am really pleased to have with me on the line Kathleen Booth. Kathleen is the VP of Marketing at Clean.io, the market leader in digital engagement security solutions used by businesses looking to optimize their revenue and buyer experience by taking back control over third-party code on their website. And prior to joining Clean.io, she spent 13 years in a digital marketing agency world, first as owner and CEO. CEO of Quintain Marketing, and then as a VP of Marketing at Impact. She is also the host of the long-running Inbound Success Podcast, which features interviews with marketers getting extraordinary results that listeners can learn from to improve their own marketing. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited. I am too. This is going to be uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I always love it when you know, like uh, when a fellow podcaster can get on and it's like all the gear is already set. You don't have to <laughs> you don't have to do much prep. Like it all works. So this is all great. Um, can you please take a little bit of time to tell everyone a little bit of, uh, more about your background and how you got to Clean.io today? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I spent some time in the marketing agency world. I actually owned uh, with my husband, a marketing agency for about 11 years. um, And we're still married. (laughs) We were one of HubSpot's top partners. uh, And I actually sold the agency in 2017 to a friendly competitor, a company that at the time was the number one HubSpot partner globally, uh, a company called Impact. I went there for two years and actually built a media company around the agency. So we started a large sales and marketing conference, uh, a a subscription-based online training program and community. And we were publishing over 30 pieces of new content a week. It was really fun. But my dream had always been to go in-house in a B2B tech company. You know, I'd been on the other side of it for so long in an agency and I wanted to to see it from the other side. And so for the last two years, I've been what I would describe as a serial startup marketer. Uh, I've gone into a number of startups, generally as the first head of marketing after they get their Series A round of funding. And I build the strategy, the brand, define the vision, the mission, and the values, put together the tech stack and build the team. And, and that's what I love. And I think it's because I spent so long as an entrepreneur that, you know, being a startup marketer is the closest thing to, to channeling that. It's like building a marketing business within a business. And so 
I came to clean.io earlier this year because it somehow miraculously combines three things that I have experience in and am passionate about that you never find together. So, and those three things are marketing to marketers, which I've spent my whole career doing, uh, media, the media business. Uh, so I spent two years at Impact building a media company and cybersecurity. I've, I've worked in a number of cyber, cybersecurity companies and I've had a number as clients through my agency. You don't often find those three things in one place. This was this crazy unique opportunity to pull them together. And, and so I'm really excited to be here and working on digital engagement security. You know, that's a really storied background because you're right. One of the things that that, uh, you know, that I talk about as well is that you don't, there are very few generalists around, right? And what happens is that you really do need to niche down into, you know, into either some kind of industry or some kind of tech or, you know, just some larger section of, you know, like how you're going to deliver the tech or the marketing or, you know, whatever it is that you're delivering to your clients, right? But then dealing with the tech stack, right? That's where you're layering all of these different applications on top of each other. And you're basically you know, keeping everything together, right? We, you know, it almost feels like you're using band-aids to just hold things, you know, to uh, to like hold things up, right? And there are some really great tools out there like Zapier and Integromat and, you know, things like that that can concatenate one app to another, but sometimes that's not always the best, right? So you do want to make sure that you're making a viable tech purchase so that it does, you know, the most amount of uh, functionality that your company's looking for. And I'm sure that's something that you've, uh, you know, been around the block about. I would like to understand a little bit more though, about how the tech stack like really affects you know, the customer engagement, as you as you talked about, you know, you um, when you go into a startup, which probably doesn't have the history of, you know, the legacy of, oh, we have to use the CRM or we have to use this, uh, you know, this website platform. How do you get them to to sort of, uh, you know, coalesce everything so that it is working, you know, for your business and delivering an exceptional experience for their customers. How do you plan that out? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different facets to that. So, you know, I'm fortunate that I do come in generally after a company has had a round of funding, a round of venture capital funding. So there is a budget for the tech stack. Um, and you're right, there are a lot of tools like Z uh, Zapier and, and other tools out there that will connect the dots if you don't have a huge budget. And you can do amazing things with them. But, you know, there does come a point where where I worry that if people rely too heavily on those things, it's like a house of cards. And, and one thing happens, like one of your zaps gets turned off and the whole thing comes crumbling down. And so I really enjoy coming in at the stage that I'm in because I generally don't have to clean up a large entrenched architected setup that that isn't working. I'm usually coming in and putting in place the first system. And it's amazing what you can, the results you can see in a short amount of time. And so um, generally, one of the first things that I look at is how can we automate things? How can we leverage marketing automation to go faster, do more, be more efficient and do it in a way that's really scalable? Because that's the big thing for fast growing startups is it has to be able to scale. You know, I might be coming in when there's only 20 employees, but the expectation is that in not a lot of time, there could be 200. And so you have to build with that in mind. And of course, as you mentioned, you have to build with the customer in mind. The biggest challenge, I think, honestly, and this is something I'm really passionate passionate about is that today, marketers tend to have larger IT budgets than the IT department in the company. And yet, we have been 
taught almost nothing about IT, right? When you go to school for marketing, you don't generally learn about the IT side of things. Uh, And then the other facet of that that I'm passionate about uh, is the cybersecurity side. You know, I spent many years working with cybersecurity companies. I've, I've been a VP of marketing for a cybersecurity company, and it really opened my eyes to just how little marketers know about it. And, and all of these considerations around choice of tech stack and how secure it is have a major influence on, you know, your customer experience your brand reputation and and your potential revenue. And so there's there's really large things at stake and and we tend to walk in very unprepared to deal with them. That is so true, right? Because what happens is, you know, when that zap breaks and the, you know, the correct folder or the correct uh, file isn't placed in the right area and then the customer notices that and it's just, you know, like to reconnect all the plumbing is a really it's, it's a pain. It's a pain in the butt because what happens is, you know, like you really have to like figure out, you know, first of all, what happened and then, you know, follow the steps and then make sure that it doesn't happen again. And it's, it, it's such a tedious process that that's something that should have taken five minutes all of a sudden becomes like a two hour job. And yeah, I can tell you from experience, it, like, and I'm sure you can as well. It is a pain. Yes. I would like to segue into our one big tip, right? And you know, this really caught my eye when, uh, you know, when you sent it over to me is the relationship between, you know, the customer experience, what they see on your, uh, you know, on your website, profit margins, obviously you want to get the clients in and you want to have a, you know, you don't want to, you know, spend too much money in keeping them and, you know, and, and servicing them, but also as it relates to cybersecurity. And I think a lot of people miss that part, you know, where it's like, how do you keep, you know, both the website secure, customer data secure, like, how does all that interact with each other in your world? Sure. So I think a little table setting before I get too much into the cyber weeds, I would say that, you know, when I think about marketing, I've and I've said this for a long time, every company out there is is fundamentally in the same business. We are all in the business of selling trust, right? Whether we're selling marketing services, sneakers, tractors, you know, or computers, everybody is selling trust and people aren't going to buy from you if they don't trust you. And traditionally with businesses, you know, that trust was built when somebody walked into your office building or into your store or had a meeting with you, et cetera. You know, and you could, you could establish trust through those personal interactions, the engagements that you had with your customers. And now, especially more so than ever in the last year, business is moving online and the way you establish trust has changed. It's through digital engagements as opposed to in real life engagements, right? And so so we have to think about how do we control and architect those digital engagements? And as marketers, we're always taught that our website is an owned asset, right? You know, we talk about owning your website and then things like your social profiles not being owned because you don't have full control over them. And so we, we like to think that on our website, that's where we have full control over the user experience. But the truth is we really don't because the way the modern internet functions, there is a ton of third-party code that runs on our sites. Some of it is code that we put there intentionally. So think about things like plugins, right? You know, most content management systems that that websites are built on these days have plugin ecosystems. And so we let that code in and hopefully we're doing our homework to make sure that those plugins are, you know, reputable and are not going to do harm. I don't think everybody does. I think there's a lot of marketers who just sort of take it on faith that the plugins are going to be fine, but we let that code in. And then there's third-party code that we don't necessarily allow in. And a very good example of that is something in the cyber world that's called 
client-side injections. And what that means in plain English is client-side is is coming from your user, meaning somebody visits a website. So if I'm out surfing the internet and I go to a website, I have all kinds of things on my computer that can affect the websites I'm visiting. And a great example of that, one of the most common ones is browser extensions. So when I go to the Chrome web store or the Safari store or what have you, and I install extensions on my computer, those extensions, believe it or not, have a very elevated level of permission that allows them to run scripts on websites, whether the website wants it there or not. And so that introduces a whole nother element of code for website owners that they have very little control of and often don't even know is happening. So, you know, my company, we have a couple of products that, that deal with this. And so we have a very interesting insight into what does happen on websites. And we look at all this third party code and, you know, you see examples where it not only do you worry about just plain old cybersecurity, your website being hacked or something, but you also have to worry about the user experience and your revenue. So two quick examples to help you know bring this to light. When we talk about user experience, a really good example is if you go to a publisher website, think CNN.com, FoxNews.com, um, you know, any any website that takes ads, you know, Barstool Sports, for example, all these websites have ads on them. If you are a website visitor and you click on an ad, uh, ads are actually third-party code, believe it or not. All these websites accept ads programmatically. So the ads are piped in and they don't they don't evaluate them one by one. They buy them through exchanges. I as a user might click an ad. And I'm sure everybody who's listening has has had this happen to them at least once. You click an ad and a big pop-up comes up and all of a sudden you're being entered into sweepstakes you didn't want to be entered into and you can't click out of the pop-up. Or even worse, maybe some virus gets on your computer. I always worry about this with my 14-year-old son and his video games. And so that's a terrible user experience, right? From third-party code in the form of ads. Now, third-party code can also affect your revenue. So an example of that would be browser extensions. Many people who shop online use extensions like Honey or Capital One Shopping to get a discount. And those are extensions that we as users put on our computers. And what happens is when I go to a website, if I have that on my computer, put some things in my shopping cart and go to check out, all of a sudden that extension will pop up and it will say, hey, we've got 10 codes for the site. How would you like to save 20%? And it'll start to auto inject those codes into the discount field at checkout until it finds a big discount. Now, as a website owner, I don't have any control over that. And so it's what it's doing is offering discounts to people who are already at checkout, basically about to give me their money. And those don't tend to be shoppers that need discounts. And so that hits my profit margins. And I, don't, I have very little control over it. So those are just a few examples. I'm going to pause because I've been talking for a long time and see if you have any questions. So far, that is um, it, that has been exactly my experience. Right. I mean, I manage right now about uh, about 100 some WordPress sites and I see, you know, like weekly, like, you know, just something off over here, you know, like on one site. And sometimes it can propagate to others on the server. Other times it can, um, you know, it can seriously uh, exasperate a small problem into a big one. But I think more... You know, more of what I think about when I'm putting this stuff together is that, you know, I really question uh, what am I putting on here, right? So I used to just grab, for example, any old uh, WordPress theme that I found that more or less matches the the design or the function of what I'm trying to do. I stopped doing that maybe like four or five years ago because templates 
also need to be sound. There are all kinds of scripts and, uh, yeah. you know, things that the, that the developers can use to siphon off information, right? And, uh, you know, we're practically in a world right now where there is so much, where there is so much information going back and forth. I mean, I have a plugin, uh, you know, I have a Chrome extension on my thing where I'm looking at the, what do you call it? The, um, you know, the Facebook pixel. So I see what information is being collected, not only on my sites, but any site that I visit, right? And right now we're using Restream and I see the number that, you know, there are 48 events that have been, you know, that have been collected at some point, which is an obscene number of events, right? And it just goes to show like, okay, you know, they're collecting audience on me, they're collecting audience on you, you know, the people that I interview. So, you know, it is a trade-off, right? But at the same time, it does give you know, some functionality, right? You know, they're building a bigger audience, whatever they're going to do with that, you know, with that audience data. But at the same time, you know, they developed a really good, a really good user experience for setting up live streams, right? My big question though, is that how can you take back control of that when, uh, you know, when you're setting this up, what are some of the things a website owner or a marketing agency should be looking for so that you are only collecting a, the, you know, the information that you, you know, that you want or need and B how to make it as secure as possible for, you know, for you users, because at the end of the day, you know, that's why we're here to create a great user experience so that they give us more money. <laughs> sure. Well, I think there's a couple of levels on which you can tackle the problem. And I would be really remiss if I didn't start with the need to educate yourself first. This is a huge gap in the field of marketing in general. Uh, as I said, when I started talking, we're never taught this, right? It's it's a, a real problem, I think, in, in the world of marketing that, that we're not more educated about the technology, about the security risks, etc. And it's time that that starts to change. And so as a marketer, I would say it's really important for you to educate yourself about security issues, uh, not only because these are things that, that are affecting the businesses we work for, but this could, I mean, you could really, really put your career in jeopardy, you know, if the worst happens, um, because websites are, in many cases, companies' brands. You know, if somebody takes over the website, steals the personal information of your customers, the liability is huge, the, the brand damage is huge. And if you are a marketing leader or an aspiring marketing leader, those are the things that you're responsible for, right? And so get educated. There are a lot of re resources out there that are free for you to learn more about cybersecurity in general. That's number one. Number two is ask a lot of questions. You know, there. I mentioned there's different types of third-party code, a lot of which we literally open the door and invite in. And so I think we have to start there and say, all this code that we're, we're allowing on our sites, and you mentioned even more examples than I did. You talked about like WordPress themes. That's a great example. Uh, there are definitely, you know, there've been a lot of press about some themes that have determined to be malicious that are literally built with the express purpose of harvesting personally identifiable information for resale on the, on the dark web. You know, so you've got to do your research on the themes, do your research on the plugins, do your research on the pixels you're adding. I mean, the, the amount of third-party code is just, it's mind-boggling. And the good news is, is that there are a lot of really great tools out there, some of which are also third-party code that you can use to figure out what you have running on your site. Because like sometimes that's the first problem. You don't even know what's happening there. And so you could get an extension like a built with, for example. Um, and there are plenty of others out there where you can actually visit your site and see a lot of the third-party tools that are installed or running on the site or that have script on page. Um, and do your research into them. Look at reviews. Uh, you know, go to the websites of the the vendors for these 
tools and and if you if they, they don't publish anything about what they're doing on security go to their Q&A or their chat bot or their live chat and ask that's number 2 so number 1 is educate yourself number 2 is ask a lot of questions and then number 3 is i think it's important to look into what the tools are that are available to protect you and the good news is there are a lot of them these days so you know, it's everything from having, you know, security plugins for your website that are expressly to protect it or choosing your host wisely, like with WordPress, for example, certain hosts have built built in more security than others. And then down to other tools like the ones that we make. So, you know, we have two products, Clean Ad and Clean Cart, um, that happen to to come at this from very specific angles. So Clean Ad protects publishers from malvertising, which is malicious ads, and Clean Cart. Uh, is our other product that protects e-commerce brands from the auto injection of coupon codes at checkout. And there are plenty of other products out there that do things like protect your site from bots um, and and different you know vulnerabilities that you may have. So get educated, ask a lot of questions, and then do your research on the tools available to protect your site. I think those are the really the, the three steps. You know, that's uh, it, it sounds really easy when you say it, <sighs> right? You know, go educate yourself, right? I mean, if, if you're not, uh, so if you're not a tech person and you don't, you like, you don't understand what codecs are or bit rates or, you know, all that stuff, you know, like that jargon can be pretty overwhelming you know, fairly quickly. Yeah. What would be a good resource to help someone, you know, like to earnestly uh, educate themselves about this, right? One of the things that comes to mind for me, for instance, well, there's always the university of YouTube, you know, you can practically YouTube anything and somebody already made a vlog about it where they go and explain it. Right. But, you know, especially in cybersecurity, you could get somebody who is immediately going to be talking way over your head. Right. And you're just not going to understand something. And of course, that's only their opinion. Yeah. Right. About how about how things are implemented. It's not necessarily fact. I mean, it may be good information or it may, you know, or even if it's something that was recorded, I don't know, two, three years ago, that may be hopelessly out of date at this point. How do you like, you know, steer people towards the first step of educating themselves on doing this, on, you know, taking charge of this particular aspect of their business so that they can be more profitable in the future? Sure. So I and to be clear, I'm definitely not recommending that everybody educate themselves to the extent that they know the code and can go in and uh, and troubleshoot and debug themselves. I don't think that's realistic, right? That's We became marketers for a reason, not cybersecurity experts or computer programmers. Because we don't want to touch that. <laughs> right. So a couple things. I think that what I'm really suggesting is that you educate yourself to the point where you know what you don't know, right? And then you understand who to go get help from to fill in those gaps. So a good objective place to start, honestly, is the Department of Homeland Security, because they have a lot lot of resources on cybersecurity and they link off to a lot of free training. Um, and so if you're ever concerned whether the resource that you're looking at to try to learn more is a is a you know, a verifiable one, one that knows what it's talking about. That's a great starting point because they've done a lot of the homework for you. So go to go to the Department of Homeland Security, look in their cybersecurity sections and check out those resources there. Take some classes online. There's some really good basic introductory ones. You know, and then from there I would say there's a massive opportunity for more marketing agencies, especially ones that do web design, to provide services around this. I mean, there are certainly IT companies, managed IT service providers who do this, um, but they don't know as much about marketing as the marketing agencies. And so it's almost like I want somebody to marry the two together, to take a managed IT service provider and merge it with a marketing agency. And that would be sort of the, the perfect solution. But in the meantime, I think I think the key is that have a resource you trust, whether that is your managed IT company, whether that is your marketing agency who has somebody on the team who understands security, find a good resource and maybe 
maybe do an audit of your website and just see where see where you stand today. And then moving forward, as you add new things to your site, that's when you can start to ask those questions I talked about earlier. You know, going to the Department of Homeland Security, you could have put any amount down and I would never have guessed that one. But, <laughs> and that is going to be one black hole I'm going to go on after this call. You know, just trying to figure out like, really, our government like puts out like really great advice on this stuff. Like, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to eat this stuff up. (laughs) There's actually a division of it called CISA. I can't remember what it stands for. I think it's CISA and they're the ones that protect election integrity and they do all kinds of other things and, and they have good resources on there. They also, you can subscribe and I'll see if I can find the link and I'll send it to you, but there is a place on there where you can subscribe to their bulletins. And so they have these email bulletins they release when they find critical vulnerabilities and it could be in an operating system or in different software. They did one on WordPress not long ago for specific uh, themes, and you'll get them by email. And that's also a great way to kind of stay on top of, you know, breaking news on, on where there are problems. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's wonderful. Uh, Kathleen, can you please tell everyone uh, how they can learn more about your company and how they can reach out to you directly if they'd like to learn more? Sure. So it's really easy to find the company. Uh, Our name is clean.io and that is also our URL. So visit us at clean.io and you can read all about what we do and a little bit more about digital engagement security. And then um, I love answering questions. I'm happy to connect with anybody who's listening and interested. And you can find me most easily on LinkedIn, uh, Kathleen Booth. And I also have a website, kathleen-booth.com where you can find me and it links off to my social profiles. Amazing stuff. Kathleen. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a lot of fun. I love nerding out on this stuff. And you're and you're right. You know, finding someone who does understand the IT and understands the marketing and the implications of them both really is a rare breed. So I'm really glad that you were able to help uh, break that down for us today. And this is all great and stellar advice. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. 